this morning, you just can't get away from it. The incredible, all-consuming, perfect grace of God that is capable of, of covering our sin, capable of redeeming our past, capable of washing away all iniquity, all shame. That hymn was written by a man who it was at one time the captain of a slave ship. And he was the captain of a slave ship for 20 years. And he was converted and ended up becoming a, uh, a preacher of sorts. And in his old in days, he did lose his sight. And that song was written from a, a genuine place of looking back over 20 years. Of, of He was the same time, about the same time that William Wilberforce spent his time um, abolishing the slave trade in England. Uh, was the same time that John Newton wrote Amazing Grace. And it was from a, a place of looking over a past that he was ashamed of. And, and, and I mean, could you imagine that he was the, the captain of a slave ship for 20 years. And he looked back on it with disgust and disdain. But he realized even a sin that grievous, that horrible, God's grace was sufficient to forgive and redeem. This morning, whatever you bring to the table, hear me this morning, whatever you bring to the table, whatever you walk in here with, the grace of God is incredible. The grace of God is large. The grace of God is overpowering any sin, any addiction, any hurt, any past that you could ever imagine. You hear me this morning? His grace is enough. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Romans chapter 12. We're going to go through verse 14 all the way through verse 21. We're going to get through the rest of the chapter today as we move through this book at such a brisk pace. I appreciate those three courtesy laughs. All right. Let me... Let me, uh, let me pray over the word and over our hearts, and then we'll get after it. Father, we trust you this morning. And we trust you because, Lord, you're to be trusted. You've never failed. Lord, there's not one time that we can look back over the course of history or even our own lives, God, and find a time that you spoke and you didn't fulfill or that you, you said and you didn't do, Lord, that you promised and you didn't come through. There's not one time, Father, that we can look back over the course of history and the course of our lives to where you contradicted your nature and who you were, God. You're faithful. So that's why we come before you this morning with great confidence, God. We come before you this morning with, with great hope that you will open our eyes to see, you'll open our ears to hear, and you'll open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us, God. Your word, Lord, let it be a lamp to our feet. Let it be a light to our path. God, Lord, I pray that this morning we would genuinely taste and see that you are good, God. Oh, Lord, that our hearts, God, Lord, would burn with passion to know you more through your word, God. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, All right, let's get after it. Romans 12, verse 14. It says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless those and do not curse them. Listen, this is a New Testament or a new way of handling persecution. We'll see as we go on a little further, but what Paul was drawing from, and I want to read you two more scriptures that if you're taking notes you can jot down. Paul was drawing from the words of Jesus. He does this multiple times, especially through the end of his letter to the Romans. In Matthew 5, 44, it says, But I tell you, this is Jesus talking, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
He says again in Luke 27 through 28, But I tell those who hear me, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. This is a new covenant, new way of thinking. This is a grace-filled, compassion-filled way of thinking about our enemies and way of thinking about receiving persecution. We live in a society that was much like it was then. If you attack me, I'm going to attack you. If you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. If you wrong me, you better believe I'm going to wrong you of equal value. Or if you're anything like my sinful nature, you you can offend me and then I'm coming back for the kill. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if anybody else is like that in the room. Somebody hurts your feelings, but the next words out of your mouth is, man, you're striking them down, right? We we can argue until you touch something personal and then I'm coming back with something that's going to humiliate you, right? that's That's our sinfulness. So we're, we're, we, we look at sarcasm, we listen to sarcasm, we see it on TVs and movies, and, and we're, we're bred into this idea of sarcasm to where we are constantly cutting one another down. I don't just mean us, but the world in general. We, we cut each other down and we laugh about it. And this is, this is Paul talking about the ones who were persecuting them because these believers, I want you to hear this, these believers lived in a time... Where living for Jesus and ascribing to the gospel of Jesus Christ cost them something. In America right now, the most it will probably ever cost us is is coming down and awkwardly standing in front of our church and and looking out at a bunch of people and having people walk by and shake our hands. That's usually, if you'd like to, you could live your entire life in an American church and that's the most Christianity could ever cost you. But Paul was writing to a group of people who who he knew what they were going through because he was one of the ones that were grabbing them by their hair and dragging them through the streets, separating families because they believed in Jesus. He knew what he was talking about when he said, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Listen, for you and I to experience this love, and I had, I had to write this because I want you, to, want you to grab this. For you and I to experience this kind of love, and I want you to hear me, a, a blessing on those who persecute you. Think about those that you work with, those that you're surrounded with at school, maybe on your team, those that differ in beliefs, maybe. Maybe you're a Republican and there's a Democrat that, that, that really just irks you and you don't like talking to them, but they're always in your face. Or maybe you're a Democrat and there's a Republican. They're always just running their mouth, you know, about, about the Reagan days and you're just tired of them, want them to shut up, right? They're not even your enemies, like, we're in this room on the same team, and he's, he's speaking to your enemies, those who persecute you, those who come against you, those that would tear you down. Paul is saying, learn to be a people of blessing. Learn to be a people who have, uh, you've trained your words and you've trained your heart to look at your enemy through cross-shaped lenses that are stained by the blood of Calvary. You're the kind of person who submitted your life, your life so wholeheartedly to Christ that if someone came to take your family or take your houses or your land or take your very own life, you could look at them and say, I love you and I forgive you for the sake of the gospel. You say, TJ, is that kind of love real? There's a story in the Book of Martyrs, if you look at it, as recent as the 1960s, there were, um, there were three um, 
there were three um, Asians taken into captivity. There was a pastor and two girls. And I'm going to share this story with you because I think we need just a snapshot. This was the 60s. They were in Asia. There were a pastor and two girls. And the leader of the regime in that little area, the, 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 the communist guard, he said, listen, um, renounce Christ or we're going to shoot you all. We're, we're going to kill you. We're going to end your life. And then he turned to the pastor who had led these, these two girls. It was actually two young girls. And he said, pastor, uh, and you, you, can, you can fact check me. Go online and check out. It's actually published in the, the Jesus Freaks Book of Martyr. Check it out. They turn to the pastor and they say, Pastor, if you will shoot these two girls, we'll let you go free. If you will renounce Christ and shoot these two that were in your flock, we will allow you to go free. And the pastor, the pastor, without hesitation, grabbed the gun and began to walk towards the two girls. And one of the girls spoke up and she said, Pastor, I want you to know that I'm not going to die in a moment with bitterness in my heart towards you. I understand and, and my friend understands that all of us are subject to moments of weakness and we realize this is a moment of weakness for you, but know this, that we died with love in our heart and gratitude that you taught us the scriptures. And he killed them both. As he turned around, the communist leader killed him. Like that, that's persecution. That 1960, that's persecution and in the same moment that you see that that deep persecution from someone that you have never thought it would have come an attack from an area of your life a friend a neighbor a loved one a pastor an attack coming from something you could never have imagined this girl who'd been filled with the spirit of god can repeat and look back and say i do, I do not hold this offense against you I'm going to die with gratitude in my heart for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, I look at that story, that true account of martyrdom, and I am in awe. And I ask myself, God, do I, do I have that kind of ability to bless when I don't want to bless? Do I have that kind of ability to, to love when I don't want to love? So I want you to hear the rest of this. For you and I to experience this love and forgiveness that seems beyond the scope of human love, and forgiveness. We have to be plugged into the source that is beyond human. That's Jesus. In our capacity, we can't love, we can't forgive anything like this. But Christ in us can. He can supply the grace for you and for I to follow him. I want you to hear this. In our human capacity, we cannot love like that. We cannot forgive like that. We cannot, we, we cannot give pardon like that to someone. We can't let someone off the hook like that. But the grace of God living in us can breathe through us and allow us to be those humble, blessing servants that he's called us to be. He's called us to be people of blessing. Not quick-tempered. Not foul-mouthed. Not quick to seek revenge or quick to harbor bitterness and hold on to it. No. Quick to bless. And he says, start with those who are persecuting you. He doesn't say bless your family. That's easy. He doesn't say bless your friends, bless your mentors, bless your buddies. No, bless those who persecute you. Because here's the deal. If you can learn, if you can discipline your mind and your heart and your body and break it into submission under the Holy Spirit, if you can bless those who persecute you, you can bless anybody. 
If you can love those who persecute you, you can love anybody. If you can grace those who have wronged you and hurt you with deep forgiveness, then you can grace anybody with deep forgiveness. He said, TJ, that's just overwhelming. You don't know the injustice done to me. You don't know the the size of the scar. You don't know the the havoc that that this one sin or this one wrong against me has caused over the course of my life. TJ, you don't understand the depth of this hurt. And with deep empathy, listen, with, with great love for every single one of you, I say this, the cross should bring our suffering and our persecution into perspective. We can look at, we can look at the, those who have wronged us. We can look at the wrong against our own lives. And then we look at the cross, and it brings our suffering into perspective. We wronged Christ in a way no one could ever wrong us. We spit in the face of God himself and nailed him to a cross, stripped him bare for the whole world to see, and laughed at him while he hung there and died. That was our sin that put him there. There's no injustice that can be done to us to top what we did to the God of creation on Calvary. When we allow the cross to bring our own persecution and suffering into perspective, this is what we do. We don't, we don't snap and, and we just become these people of blessing. We ask God to do the work in our heart. I want you to hear this. We ask God to do the work in our hearts that we can't do. I know some of you, you're, you're like me, man. I, I, there, there's things in my past, there's things that, that I walk through, things that I look back in justice, things that I, I feel like, man, my life would be different if this would have been different. And, and the temptation of, of pride and anger and hurt, the, the reality is here. I have to ask God, God, do in my mind and my heart what I can't do for myself. Allow that Holy Spirit in me to come alive. So that I can be who you've called me to be. That's the prayer that I want you guys praying. That believers should be praying. God, do in us what we can't do for ourselves. God, let that Holy Spirit rise up in us and overflow us with grace and forgiveness and humility. To be a people of blessing means that we are a people that have submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit. That means that we submit our mouths. I want you to hear this. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Jot this down and go back and read it later if you're taking notes. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. Only such is good as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Listen, the only person, will you hear me this morning, the only person that your bitterness or your pride or your jealousy or your resentment, the only person that it is is it is is just rotting away is you it's you the ploy of the enemy he would love for us to cling on to resentment or bitterness or a harsh word for somebody or a snide comment he would love for us to hold on to that and tuck that away in our heart so he can begin to decay who we are in Christ listen submit it to the feet of Jesus submit it at the feet of Jesus lay it down 
He is the only one. I want you to hear this. He is the only one that you can bring all of those hurts, all of that resentment, all of that bitterness to. He's the only one that you can bring it all to, lay it on his shoulders, and he can carry it perfectly. Everyone else that you try to lay it on and everything that you try to hold it, lay it on will crumble underneath its weight. You hear me? They'll crumble underneath its weight. Lay it on Christ. Their heart, listen, your heart, our heart, and our whole being must be submitted to Christ. To be a people of blessing, we have to be submitted to and drawing from the giver of grace, the giver of love, and the giver of blessing. To be a people of blessing. I want you to hear me. You have to be rooted in Jesus. Your whole being, not just the parts that are comfortable, not just the parts that you want to give to Jesus, to be a people of blessing, to be a people of forgiveness, to be a people of grace, which is what we're supposed to be defined by, to be that kind of people, we have to lay our whole being at the foot of Calvary and say, here I am, Jesus. Forgive me for my resentment and my hatred and my bitterness, God. Forgive me for holding on to those things. Forgive me. You know what's amazing about that moment? He does. Knowing that we may pick it up again, knowing that we, we, we may wrestle with it again, instantly He forgives us, He cleans us, He washes us, and He helps us walk through the process of forgiveness and redemption. Unless you and I are plugged into Christ, following this imperative will be impossible. To love those who persecute you, to, to seek grace over their lives. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit, something we can't manage on our own. He has to be involved. He has to be the chief treasure of your life. Let's move on. Romans 12, 15. I'll read back through 14 just for the sake of hearing. Get it in your heart. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I want you to hear this. Paul, in kind of how he, there's no, like I said earlier, even last week in the text, there's no really logical order. He's just kind of laying some of these things out, kind of just like throwing brick on brick and like, hey, look at this, hey, look at this, hey, look at this. This is one of those moments. He, he switches from our enemies back to believers. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Listen, we are called as brothers and sisters in Christ to celebrate the good work of Christ in the life of the lives of those around us. Listen, we who are in Christ have been called to celebrate the good work of Christ in the life of those around us. Our ability to rejoice with someone, to celebrate someone in their success, to cheer them on in their victories, puts on display either the pride or the humility in our hearts. Do you hear me? As believers... We should be each other's number one cheerleader. Able to celebrate one another in our successes. Able to cheer each other on in our victories. And listen, I want you to hear me say this, believer. If you are unable to do that for brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't care if it's a business thing. I don't care if it's a friendship thing. I don't care if it's a promotion. I don't care if it's a gifting that they have that you may not have. If you are unable to celebrate them, there is a root of pride in your heart that you have to repent of. You have to. And not because I said so. Because Jesus says so. He wants the best for you. Like he really does. 
His best life now for you might look like a mud hut in, in Zimbabwe, right? It might look like dying on a cross. I've said this a million times, I'll say a million more. He wants the best for you. Sometimes his best looks different from our best. For, but for that to ever happen, for that process to ever begin, we have to overcome through the grace of God the pride that is in our heart. And you say, TJ, no, I don't got pride. You're lying. That's your pride telling you you don't have any pride. We all wrestle with it. I mean, think about, think about Lucifer. That Like the, a beautiful angel... In heaven, in glory, looks up to the throne, and this is TJ's version, right? But looks up to the throne and says, I think I could do that. And looks at God and says, I think, I think I could sit there. I should be able to sit there. Scripture said he fell like lightning. Ask God to help you war against the pride in your heart. Ask him. In your mind, in your heart, today, this evening, get alone at home somewhere and get on your knees and just plead with God. God, would you just take the pride from my heart? Take the entitlement from my heart. Listen, the reasons we often don't rejoice with those around us who are being blessed or being graced by God in a way that we're not is because we're either insecure, bitter, jealous, or judgmental, all of which are like rot in your bones, decaying your spiritual life and your wellness. You hear me? Jealousy, insecurity, pride. It will rot your spiritual life away to dust. Fight against it, war against it. He goes from rejoicing with those to mourning with those. Listen, we are called as brothers and sisters in Christ to live in community with one another in such a way. And this, this is so convicting to me. But listen, we're called to live in community with one another in such a way that what hurts you hurts me. What breaks your heart breaks my heart. Those in our Sunday school classes and at this church and the, under the context that we have, we have Sunday school classes and we have a few other groups that meet around on, on different weeknights, but the, the typical way that, that our church does life and discipleship together is in the context of Sunday school. And I ask you a question. If someone in your Sunday school's class, heart, if their heart is breaking, does your heart break? If they have a need, do you feel the weight of that need? That's what he's talking about. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. The people around you, if you say, man, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm not plugged in anywhere, and I, I just kind of come, and there's nobody here that, that really celebrates me. There's nobody that I can think of that I would cry with or cry with me. I beg you, get plugged in. Visit every Sunday school class we have. Seriously. Get plugged in. Find a group of people. Plug yourself into a body of believers who will mourn with you when you mourn and will rejoice with you when you rejoice. Because if they can't, they're not who they say they are in Christ and are not worth your time. If that offends you, take it up with the Holy Spirit. Reasons we don't mourn. We're distant, connected, and too self-focused to be genuinely empathetic. You hear me? I'm so convicted. I'm serious. When I'm reading this, I'm like, I'm surrounded by so many people that I don't mourn with. So many people that I don't rejoice with. And just for the simple fact of, of not building and diving into deep relationship with people, putting my guards up. I do that. You ever do that? I'll let you get so close, but you get so close. And I'm that walk, whoo, you know?
I would love to be a biblical community that is known for the way that we love one another and that we love the world for the sake of the gospel because of that. You hear me? I would, I would love to be known as a biblical community that when one of us hurts, we all hurt. When one of us is in need, we all feel the weight of that need and do what we can to fill the gap. I would love to be a biblical community that looks like a biblical community. So listen, let's get out of our bubble and begin to truly care about those around us. Connect with them. Learn to love them in the context of Christian community. Let's move on. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Listen, this is kind of a cool little thing right here. It says, be willing to associate with people in low position. That whole phrase, be willing to associate with people of low position, was actually just one Greek word. The translator said, hey, this means all of this. It can actually mean two things. It can actually mean humble people or humble things. So what Paul is communicating right here, listen, he's communicating, I want you to be the kind of community that you are willing to identify with those who are down and out. I want you to be able to weep with those who struggle in addiction without judgment passing through your mind. I want you to be the kind of community you can identify with the lost and the forsaken and forgotten, with the orphan and the homeless. I want you to be the one that will kneel down and give up your all for those that you might think are lower than you. Or humble things. I want you to be the kind of believer. This is his admonition. I want you to be the kind of believer that looks at the church, looks at this world, and sees no job, no calling too small for you to do. One of the things I appreciate about Wayne Rowe, and there's several things I appreciate about him, but one, one thing that sticks out in my mind when I think about humility, there was a night that everybody kind of, we, we, I can't even remember what we did here, but but everybody else kind of left, and he just kind of stayed and, 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 and cleaned up all the trash and, 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 and you know, was smiling, joyful, taking trash bags and stuff. And, and some people, trust me, I've, I've worked with some of them, not here, but I've worked with some that says, ah, I have a doctorate, I don't pick up trash bags. I have, a, I have a doctorate in theological ethics, I'll never take out the trash again. Man, listen, if you're ever in a church and you, you, you come across somebody like that, Run. Okay? It's one of the things I appreciate about him. He looks at the church, he looks at the work of the church, and, and I know tons of men like this. John Hughes is like this. We, we've been graced with, with several men who, who I consider a privilege to be around because they, they, don't, they look at the church and it's, it's not like, man, that, that job's too low for me or too menial. They're like, no, where, where can I serve? Where can I lift up? Where am I needed? That's how we're called to be as believers. There's no job too small or too menial. There's none. Pride will keep us from following any and all of this. So war against pride. I want to move on quick. Romans 12, 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Listen, Paul goes back again to the beginning and to the treatment of those who persecute the believer and wants to, and wants to disarm or devalue the believer. And this is what he says. 
He says, repay no one evil for evil. Moo called this, uh, a theologian that I like a lot, he calls this a kingdom ethic of non-retaliation. Listen, Matthew 5, 38 through 41, I want you to hear this. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who... Do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you or take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go two with them. Listen, I want you to hear this. This is, again, countercultural for you and I. If someone hurts me, I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to wrong them. I'm going to repay. I'm going to I'll sue you. You know, I'll come after you. I'll fight you. You won't, there will be no injustice done to me because I have rights and I'm an American, right? I know that's uncomfortable. You might not like that, but it's the truth. What Jesus has, call, has called us to do and then Paul has called us to do, lay down our rights for the sake of the gospel. Walk in full humility. Listen, I want you, I want you to hear what this, this guy that was alive at around 197, he said it like this. His name was Tertullian. He said, kill us, torture us, condemn us, grind us to dust. Your injustice is proof that we are innocent. Therefore, God allows that we suffer. The oftener we are mown down by you, the more in number we grow. The blood of Christians is the seed for the church. Church father got it. Some things he got way wrong, but one thing he got right was that when we as believers respond to persecution with grace and with love and humility, the world takes notice and the the body of Christ begins to flourish. It's the same mentality that Paul had when he said, man, you you, you kill me, I'm going to be absent from the body, I'll be, be with the Lord, kill me. I've had much and I've had little, it doesn't really matter, I've got Jesus. That kind of group of people, you get a group of people like that, that's dangerous. Because they'll do anything and everything for the kingdom of God. Going quick, let's, let, let's go Romans 12, 18 and 19. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I want you to hear this. God is the judge, and his ability to be God and execute judgment is far greater than your ability to try. You hear me? He's God. He knows how to execute judgment on someone. He does not need your help. You aren't God. So let him handle those who have sinned against you. Let them go. Can I, just, can I challenge you this morning? Let them go. It's tearing your soul up, not theirs. Let them go. Give them over to the grace of God. And you know what? You might not like it, but the moment that you let them go and give them back to God, he might actually save them. (laughs) Let your kindness and your grace, when it is undeserved, be the banner of hope and the reflection of Jesus Christ that they need to see. Romans 12, 20 through 21. I'll wrap up here. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And some of you are like, yeah, I am going to be good to them because there's going to be coals on their heads. 
in the context of the New Testament gospel, and I, I agree with Moo and his commentary, this is his quote, Paul urges us to show kindness to our enemies with the hope that they will be ashamed of their actions and seek the underlying reason why we could respond with such love. Paul says we give grace, we give humility, so that we might dumbfound our adversaries. So that they might have to go home at the end of the night and scratch their head when they're all by themselves and say, why when I chewed her out or chewed him out, why did he respond with grace to me? Why did he respond with kindness? When I gave that promotion to so-and-so and they knew they deserved it, make that CEO go home and scratch their head and say, why in the world did they just respond with grace and work harder for the company? Right? What if we were that kind of people who lived in a biblical community that didn't matter what we gained or lost in this world because our hearts had been arrested by the love of a Savior? So hear this. You have the Holy Spirit. You, you, you may be sitting there saying, TJ, like all this stuff sounds good. I want to be grace-filled. I want to be that kind of believer, but man, I just can't. Listen, I just want to encourage you with this. I want you to remember this. I want you to take this with you. You have the Holy Spirit. Scripture says that the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us. So that same Spirit that allowed Jesus to look from the cross, to look out at a crowd whose hands were bloody and whose throats were hoarse from screaming, Crucify! 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 That Spirit that allowed Him to look across the crowd and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, God. Forgive them. That same Spirit lives in you and will give you the ability to look at your, the one who's wronged you or the one who's hurt you and say, God, give them grace. God, let them be saved. God, bless them. That spirit will make you a person of blessing and not a person of curse. So listen. I'm going to read this to you and then we're going to have a time of response. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. By grace, listen, by grace you shine the gospel in the way that you bless those around you. The way that you mourn with those around you. The way that you serve those around you, the way that you handle persecution, and the way that you deal with the opportunity to retaliate. Listen, submit to Christ. Ask Him to make you a humble servant willing to lay down your life for the sake of the gospel. You get to be a banner. Our lives, we get to be ambassadors. That word, personal representation of Christ. You and I get to be the fingerprint of God in our workplace. The fingerprint of God in our families. The fingerprint of God on our team. The fingerprint of God in our schools. The fingerprint of God in our church. We get to be His personal representation. Submit to Him. Allow His Holy Spirit to come alive in you. Stop quenching it like the Scripture said. Ask Him, God, allow Your Spirit to come alive in me. Allow me to let go of all my burdens, all my resentment, all my insecurities, all my jealousy, all my fear. Let me lay it at the cross, God, so I can be free to serve You. Would you be bold enough to pray that prayer today? Would you be bold enough to let them go? Let God deal with them. Would you be bold enough? to stoop low enough to serve God with everything that you have. I want to pray for you. And Nick's going to come and he's going to sing a song and, and we're, going to take this, we're going to take this time to just respond. You can come to this altar and nobody will mess with you and you can pray and 
And, or if you want someone to pray with you, you can go to our, our prayer teams. There'll be somebody on the left and somebody on the right. Or if you just want to sit in your seat and say, God, give me that kind of boldness. God, give me that kind of humility. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You can do that at this time. Let me pray for you and then we'll respond. Father, you've given us your word. And God, your word is encouraging. Your word is convicting. God, your word's like a, God, like a, like a medicine, Lord. It goes down. And sometimes it's, it, it, it doesn't taste the best, Lord. But we know that you're, you're allowing it to work in us, to call us up to be the, the men and women of God that you designed us to be. So, Lord, let it do work this morning. That's my prayer, God. Let your word, let your word do work in our hearts. We need it and we need you. In Jesus' perfect name, amen. Amen. amen.